Good morning, Corey Murray. Good morning, Charlie. How you doing, boo? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm battling a cold. I could tell. Tis the season, so forgive me, y'all. But I'm actually happy. All right. Because I went all the way to South Africa and back on a plane for that many hours, and I didn't catch it on the plane. It was not because of recycled air. No. Right. So I won, y'all. I you won. You did. And I usually get a cold around Christmas, always. And mm-hmm. I'm, so I'm getting it out of the way. So it's like a post-birthday Yeah. Cold? Okay. I probably did the most. <laughs> and my body's like, okay, you want to try that? But anyway, hello, everybody. I'm Charlie Penn. I am Corey Murray. And this is... Yes, yes girl. girl! Otto, I think we should take our interview last week with Sanaa and Lynn and use their Yes, Girl. Yes, yes, girl. Yes. yes, girl. Yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> that was everything. As you guys know, Yolanda is still on maternity leave. We still miss her, but we're going to visit her soon. And this week, we have a special Throwback Thursday edition of Yes, Girl. Because it includes Yolanda and I chatting with Mickey Taylor, one of Essence's very own, who has written a beautiful book called Editor in Chic, How to Style and Be Your Most Empowered Self. And what I like about Mickey's book, now I'm reading self-care books now in the fall, because for me, fall is my new year. Oh. I don't know about you, Charlie. Because like said, back to school, back, back to, to Corey? School. Yes, I just feel like, <laughs> yes, back to Corey. Back to Corey. So I'm really, uh, I've been dying to dive into this book, so I'm going to do it now. But we also have someone else. Yes, we have the star of Star, Ryan Destiny. I love aspiring, well, rising. I don't want to say aspiring because she's doing it. Rising actresses, like the young, the youth. These girls are killing it. Ryan Destiny is one of them. And what's funny, that's her real name. Yes. It's almost like God was like, I got you. We're claiming this. Yes. Exactly. So we actually got to catch up with her while we were in Miami. Also on a trip with Yolanda. Okay. When we saw Omari. Remember all that fabulous trip? Omari and Mara Brockakill and all the goods we shared. We didn't get to share this talk. So Corey and I met Ryan in her oceanfront villa. Yes. I have to give you the fabulosity so you can set the scene. Um, And we caught up with her and checked in about what was coming with the new season, how she feels about being young and super famous and beautiful. Those Gabrielle Union comparisons. And it was a good tea. All right. Now, there's something that we're very excited to share as well. Our new cover is out. Yes. And I must say, I think this is the first cover where we had someone with blue hair. On the cover. I think it's a first. I think it's a first. It's super cute. Come on, Khalees. It is. Come on, Khalees. Come through. Khalees in his hair. And this close up. She's giving you fears. Have y'all seen it? I know y'all seen it. Tell it, us what you think. It is so beautiful. But Khalees' story is one thing, but there's also, and Charlie, I'm curious what your <laughs> thoughts about this. Here we go. Over here on page 101, mm-hmm. there's a story about cuffing season. There's even a cuffing calendar. Corey, I'm not a fan of cuffing season. Why not? Girl, first of all, why does love need a season? Okay. Y'all know how I ride and stand for love. So you knew this was coming, y'all. I know you knew this was coming. I think if you love me, you love me 12 months out of the year, not nine. You don't get summers off. (laughs) No. You either all in or you all out. Okay? And so for me, I never got cuffed. I got kept. Oh. So I don't support cuffing season. As I look down at my, I mean, I'm just saying my weddingless fingers. I mean, but I just mean like if you know if someone's gonna lock you down, you don't get to interrupt that in June. You're right, and I know it's what people do now. Apparent, according to this article, it's science behind it. Yes, people need a break. They don't feel as committed in the summer. And because also it's winter time, people naturally want to hibernate. And Netflix and chill. Netflix and chill with the same person. Not multiple. I get the logic. 
<laughs> I get the science. And I know a lot of women also feel this way. Like, I don't want to put this all on the brothers. There are women who, like, would prefer to have one bay throughout the winter and the spring and then, like, to keep their options open in the summer. Cuffing season is a thing. That's why we have an article about how to make the best of it in a calendar. I'm just saying, me, myself, personally, <laughs> don't you love when people say that? Charlie Penn, I just feel like, nah, you're going to have me all 12 months or you don't have me at all. I would love to know what you guys think. Hashtag Guest Girl Podcast. How many of you guys are into cuffing season? Have you been cuffed? Will you take the cuffs off in June? What's happening? And Corey, according how do you to, feel about it? I you mean, I, you know what? I'm joking. I really feel like you. I'd rather be caught. But I love the... I, but if I was in my younger days, mm-hmm. I like this idea of having the summers off because especially if I were to go like just through Europe or Africa or wherever and just see a bay and yes. get get with him. But um, in my personal, in my real life, no. You want to be kept. I want to be kept. Year round. Year round. Year round, Corey. <laughs> Year round, loving. Okay, I will say this. It's a decision. So I will often encourage younger women to keep, all women actually, forget that, keep your options open. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not ready to settle down by all means, have a team, date around. I think it's important to keep your options open and not feel like you have to settle. And sometimes I think the idea of cuffing season also represents settling. So it's not just like, oh, he doesn't want you or she doesn't want you for all the year. It's also like you're just picking someone because of the season. No, if you want to keep your options open, girl, keep your options open year round so that you can like Corey one day, hopefully, you know, go out on vacation and meet a bay or be in line somewhere like keep don't get cuffed if you don't want to be with that person. So I think there's like three sides to this. All right. Tell us, please use our hashtag. Yes, girl podcast. Tell us what you think about cuffing season. And another thing we want to hear about. I know y'all are watching Insecure <laughs> and Charlie, I'm curious. I've been ca- I caught up. You caught up on the episode. Yes. Ghosted. Nathan is Audi 5000. I took it back. Lift Bay. Lift Bay. Lift Bay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because that's kind of co- cuffing. At the end of cuffing season is ghosting. People get ghosted. See? So you see what we did Damn. there. Damn. You see. Um, this has been crazy. To me, the most interesting part was her- watching Issa's breakdown. Like yeah. when you start getting ghosted and it goes from perfect to where did he go? And that moment where you're like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. But I am crazy. I'm not crazy. Like we can all relate. We've all been there. I'll admit, though, I was as we were talking, uh, our prep moment for the con- podcast, I realized I've never really had like a horrible breakup where I've gone great. Never? Actually, oops, too late. I remember something. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. Okay. Should I get my mug? No. <laughs> Corey's, Corey's face. Now. She was like, wait. I really, because I was like, oh, I think I tucked that away. But I don't necessarily know if I was, maybe it was a ghosting. Were you ghosted? I think so. But, I mean, we still stayed in touch. Well, then that's not like a full ghost. It wasn't a full ghost. Thing. That's good. Okay. Who could ghost you, Corey? You're wonderful. No, there was a boy in college. You know what You know what it was? What? And I wonder if this is what's happening with Nathan on Insecure, his character, is that he did. He likes Issa, but he doesn't like her enough. To lead to her con- on. To, to continue the relationship outside of that wonderful moment in the Ferris wheel. Oh, that was a moment. Yeah, because I remember my person telling me, he said, it's not that I don't like you. And he said this to me on a beach in Miami. That's why Miami is so close to me. Oh, now it's all making sense. He was like, it's not that I don't like you. It's just I don't like you like that. But at least he said that to you. Yeah. I feel like Nathan was just like, Nathan, he hasn't said it yet. The finale's coming. You feel like that's what's going to happen? He probably won't, though. I feel like he's just gone forever. I don't know if these kids today will do that kind of closure. 
I don't think it was called ghosting when I was their age, like in my younger 20s. But I do remember that feeling right before. Like when I was dating before I met G, I remember like there were a few moments where I was like, oh, my God, we just had a magical date. Like magical dates are real, especially the spontaneous ones, like where you just bump into someone and you decide to spend the evening together and just keep it going and keep talking. I had two of those. Not going to name any names. And I remember thinking at that time, like, okay, like this feels great. But usually the ghosting was faster. It just nothing ever happened after that. So it was like you had a moment, but not a thing. That's right. You didn't have like a number to, well, you did have numbers to track, but it wasn't yeah. the same. But I remember that feeling of being like, did, was I like, were my, was my signal off? Mm-hmm. Was it two notches to the left? Oh my God. Shout out to Silvio Bell's show, um, Hello Opinions. Which she I knows love. She does the recap show. Speed. And Michael Arsenault, uh, he was, you know, he was debating what ghosting was or, or why men ghost. And he, he starts rambling. And one thing he says is, I just, it's, it could be a moment of, you, I thought you were cute until I heard you speak. And I was like, oh, oh. now that's just fucking harsh. Hold but on. What is going what? on? And I was like, oh. I don't agree. That, I mean, it was, just, I mean, but it was just one of many reasons why. I mean, there's so many reasons. Ghosts. But I think, Corey, Corey, I think you're what? onto something. What? Because I do think a lot of times for men, it can be, or women, but if for someone, it can be difficult to tell somebody, like, I don't feel as much magic as you. Yeah, that's a hard thing to say. And a lot of us are up front and we're clear on these magical nights and dates and things, what we want, Mm -hmm. that we've been in serious relationships, that we've been married, we want to get married, we want to have kids. And I applaud us for that because why why should we hold back? Actually, funny enough, you say that because I'm wondering if that's what happened with Lawrence and the new girl at church. Because he's clearly not as into her as she is into him while everything on the table sounds right. Like they're both, I want to go to church, they're both, you know, whatever. But he's clearly like, yeah, I'll check in with you later. But also, she hit him with that, well, I see you at Bible school. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like that she, they both go to church, like that she wants him to get closer to the Lord. But couldn't she have just said, well, I see you on Sunday? I think something about a newbie, for a newbie to church, when I saw that, well, I see you at Bible school, I was like, oh, sis. I just wanted to call her and be like, you are coming on too strong in the name of the Lord. Just say, can we meet on Sunday after church? You can slide it in. Is it me, y'all? Be subtle. You know what I mean? Oh okay, I, I read that and I was like, you know what else I loved about this episode, though, since what? we're going in on Insecure? Mm-hmm. The ghost Instagram account. There was no Mokisha. Instagram when I was stalking dudes, exes, and things, because we've all done so it. So how did you stalk? I wonder how did we stalk back then? I feel like we lurked in the bushes around their dorms. Yeah, I was going to say, I think <laughs> I remember standing outside a particular building on Hampton's campus, uh-huh. and I just stood there for no reason. I remember just being in the area, yeah, watching, because mm-hmm. we had no way of knowing. There was no GPS located. No. There was no tracking. There was no find my iPhone. There was no the things. You know the things Wait, we do. <laughs> do you remember ever like walking by a place and you have your friends with you, and they'd be like, just look casual. Yeah. Just look casual. Oh, my God. Did he? And then you, then you go by, and then they're like, did he see me? Did he see? Yeah. I Absolutely. And then you're like, oh, funny meeting you here. That was really a thing. But meanwhile, you planned that entire thing. Whole or you would thing. follow his like friends a little. Like you would know where his friends were going to be mm-hmm. and you would find a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would kind of befriend the friends. So at least you could always be like, well, that's a, that person invited me. I'm, I, we had I to have here. a lot more strategy. We did. All they have to do now is get a burner Instagram account. Is that what that's all, that's it, all takes? it takes? But also, how are you getting that busted on Instagram? Like, remember when she almost sent the text of like yes. the random, like, oh, you cute. If he had responded, girl, you didn't want him. No. <laughs> and that would have sent her more down. A, oh, my God. It broke my heart to see Issa that way. I know. But honestly, though, when she thought her his password might be her name, 
I was like, okay, sis, you're not over Lawrence. You're not healed. And you might not be ready to date again. Did you think that? I re- I will admit, I, I think I tweeted this. Like, I, I, I am one of the people, and I don't know if I'm a few, one of the few people. I do want to see her and Lawrence get back together, but I do feel she needs another, she needs more time away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's I, something that maybe, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they can, they've been picked up for season four. Maybe in season four, they could explore getting back she together. She needs another but man but first. She needs a, yeah. Also, she needs to get her life together. That still has to I want her to get this block party off the ground. I want it to, I want it to be great. I want it to be great. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, not oversleep. Remember her landlord's name. Like, yeah. all of these important all adulting things. things that we have to do in life. But seriously, guys, speaking of ghosting and stalking, because it's a little bit of everything happening right now with Insecure, I have questions. One, what's the craziest thing you've ever done to, you know, just check on an ex, check in with, we'll say, an ex. Like, come, tell us tell us your crazy ex stories. Hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. And also, have you ever been ghosted? And how did you recover, girl? We're here for you. Hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. What you think, Corey? Need some stories. We need some stories. We need some tea. But next week is the finale. I can't believe it's almost over. I know. What happened? We didn't even get to really talk about and it. And it's October. What is with these eight episodes insecure? But we'll talk. Is there something else special happening in October, Charlie Penn? Oh, yes, Corey Murray. It's funny you should ask. Y'all didn't know about that segue, but go that ahead. That segue was everything. So Essence is having its inaugural, because I'm hoping we will do it every year, so I'm claiming that, Black Love Gala in New York City on Saturday, October 13th, okay, we are so excited. It's going to be at Chelsea Piers, Pier 60 in New York City. And the best I part love Chelsea is, Piers. sponsored by Toyota Avalon, the best part is you can go with Bay. We're actually trying to create the ultimate date night. And this is very near and dear to my heart. Why? Y'all know why, because this was my one of my concepts. I've claimed this. I st- Corey, how long have I been asking for it? You've been event? asking for a Black Love Gala for about <laughs> a long time. Like six years. Yeah. I've just been saying to everyone we need to honor love at essence the way we honor actresses and music entertainment which we do such a great job of and we're doing it so this is the ultimate date night october 13th in new york city if you want to get some tickets which i think you should because hold on Corey, it's black tie oh we're, we're getting fancy oh. for the gram it's on the water it's gonna have a romantic casino theme Ooh. lots of photo activations food drinks i mean why not we love a picture and we love to look good and we love a gala yes gala gala i love everybody's calling it whatever you call it you know you love one so go to essence.com slash black love gala and get your tickets and i will see you there i'm gonna be there with hubby oh it's a moment. Also, I want to stress you guys, and I think we say this all the time in the podcast, Court, but I'm going to say it again. When we say black love, we mean love. Your love for your girlfriends, your love for your significant other, whoever. Yes. We're partner. just selling tickets into your partner. So come with somebody you love and celebrate them. We're calling it the ultimate date night. It will feel a little romantic, but we don't exclude anyone. We share the love. So I'll see you at the Black Love Gala, October 13th. All right. So up first, our conversation with Mickey Taylor. You know, Mickey, many of us have watched from afar um, your career at Essence, but also beyond Essence. And um, I am very curious, where did you start um, in terms of working in magazines and beauty and and just being a blueprint for like a fabulous um, life and outlook and all of it? 
You know, home was the original beauty school for me. My mother uh, was the first entrepreneur in our family, and uh, she was the uh, she was hairstylist, makeup artist, and wardrobe gal to the late American icon that was singer Sarah Vaughan. Oh, wow. They went to school together. They were schoolgirl friends. In fact, uh, that's even where. Later on, I absorbed my first lessons in what sisterhood really does and what it really means. Because my mother was part of the group of friends that gave her money to try out at the Apollo. Uh, long story short, her father was a minister and he didn't want her to sing secular music. And she had this voice, that gift that, and you know, your gift will talk about that. That's that thing that you must use. Mm -hmm. And so they gave her money and she went and she won. And the rest is history. And so but when she became Sarah or Sav, or the Divine One, one of her many uh, uh, nicknames, if you will. She bought the house that we lived in so my mother could be close. We lived across the street and she hired my mother yeah. to work with her. And so my mother would bring home magazines from Europe and all of the, they traveled the entire world together three wow. times, save for the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. My mother would bring home magazines and makeup, and it was fascinating to me that my mother could even find makeup that looked like her chocolate skin mm -hmm. abroad, but not on these shores. But, so beauty was just uh, awe-inspiring to me, and my mother knew who she was in every sensibility, if you will, in the way she dressed, in the way she did her makeup and carried herself, in the way she uh, branded sass, her mini album covers and her wardrobe and so forth. And uh, she was also an award-winning hairstylist. And so, you know, when she retired from the road, you know, 10 years, they traveled together and she retired from the road. She opened her own beauty salon. Mm -hmm. And that's when I had the opportunity to observe what I call the transformative power of beauty up close, whereas I realized women weren't just getting great hairstyles. They were getting fellowship, they were getting therapy, they were getting life coaching, they were getting product recommendations, mm -hmm. all of that. And it had such a profound effect on me that I knew that, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this it. is it. You're gonna give your life to something and do something, this is it. And so, you know, I went first uh, after uh, school into uh, beauty at retail, at the retail level. Then I went into fashion on 7th Avenue. I modeled along the way. I certainly modeled on the pages of Essence and TV commercials and yada, yada. But um, when Essence hired me in 1980, I was ready to make a contribution mm -hmm. to women's lives. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I started out uh, in the first year of my tenure on more on the fashion side, in that I had this interesting title, I'll never forget it, Home Sewing and Accessories Editor. And home as sewing. part of, yeah, home <laughs> sewing. Now, I, we don't talk about that much nowadays, but in 1980, women of color were entering the workforce in great numbers, but not getting the equal pay of their Caucasian counterparts. And so what did we do? We sewed our clothes. Mm -hmm. So the background that I had on from 7th Avenue in terms of fabrics and merchandising, it was my role to shop the fabric market 
and to have the pattern houses make clothing. And I was given four pages pretty much every month to have those clothes created so that there wasn't only fashion in the magazine that you could buy at, at retail, but that you could make yourself. Essence had a pattern after a while too, but originally it was McCall's, it was Vogue, it was what have you. And, and then I would accessorize those pages. One year later, Susan Taylor became editor-in-chief and she made me beauty editor. Uh, during that year, while I was on the fashion side, of course, I poked my head in everything. I said, why aren't we working with this photographer and that photographer? And why aren't we doing this, that, and the other in beauty? And I brought mag photographers to the magazine that we had not been working with. And so uh, I remember when I was given the position of beauty editor, my job description said that my role was to affirm the culture's definition of beauty. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about it is, in order to teach and inform, I really felt that you had to have the support you needed to really serve women. And at that time, the amount of products that addressed our needs and desires could fit in the span of my two arms. I found that unacceptable. So I made it my business to educate the industry. Uh, it wasn't long after when I was asked to write my own job description, but to, you know, really help them see us and, and stop treating us as the invisible women. Uh, we work three times as hard as we still do for our psychic income than we did than we do the pay that we are given, if you will. And so I just thought that here is an audience that for whom beauty is its most emotional purchase, who indexes the highest across the board in terms of uh, expenditures and beauty products and have the least amount of products or are you know set in what's known as an ethnic corner. We don't define ourselves as ethnic. And so a lot of education, still it's a lot of education. I'm still talking uh, to companies and many companies now have women of color think tanks and I'm talking to them and talking about the importance of serving us and how to serve us and that you cannot do this from the 90th floor, so to speak. You have to touch the lives of those you want to serve if you're going to serve them effectively. So, so that's how I, you know, got into essence and began to use my voice and to certainly um, even brand the cover. Uh, six years into my tenure, I pitched for the position of cover editor. The magazine had not had a cover editor, but I wanted to, I didn't want to have an affair with the cover. You know, you know, we're working with this team and with this team and that, but it, the cover, we were competing at that time with over a thousand titles on the newsstand. Mm -hmm. It, unbelievable back in the day how many magazines there were, but there was only one that for whom, you know, for us was the beauty Bible. And so I pitched for the position of cover editor to give the magazine synergy and to brand a look. And so that even at times on newsstands where the logo was covered up, that you would know that that was your magazine. Mm -hmm. And I did that and began to curate makeup artists and hairstylists who could really render us in all our glory, in all our truth, uh, certainly stopping women in the subway and restaurants and what have you, as did Susan Taylor, as did Sandra Martin and that whole creative team that we worked with at the time, you know, because the agencies were falling short. They had a narrow definition of what was beauty. It wasn't all shades, all shapes, all sizes. So how 
you know, was our role to hold up the mirror on black womanhood. Yeah. And at Essence, you stayed over 30, 30 years at the desk wow. as beauty and cover director. And then in 2010, I became editor at large. Got it. And so that, you know, I'm honored to really in this position to certainly speak at our live events, mm -hmm. to certainly speak at the festival, mm -hmm. to give us that spiritual and cultural nutrition that we still hunger for, that's needful to shape our lives, to work with us um, in the critical work that we do with Disney Dreamers Academy, which I've been doing for 10 years now. And, you know, to talk to the youngins about knowing their value and, and you know, celebrating the truth of who they are, to fight adversity, to teach others um, that bullying is a, is a no-win game, mm -hmm. is disrespectful to mm -hmm. not only one another, but to the ancestors who died in your stead. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, um, it's part of the, you know, my greater vision to just, in fact, not only speak on the main stages of the world to talk to us and to remind us of who we are, but even um, my latest work, certainly with, the book with the editor and chic and charging companies to get behind this message so I can take it to women who are disempowered. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should leave any group of women behind on our watch. And so I'm talking, you know, my mission is to talk to women in the shelters, talk to those who have been spiritually and emotionally robbed by uh, sex trafficking or domestic abuse or what have you, because no dream is, you know, should be deferred or mm -hmm. put on hold. I, I just, I don't want to see us crippled in any wise. That's wonderful. Editor-in-Chic. Editor-in-Chic. But before we get into Editor-in-Chic, How to Style and Be Your Most Empowered Self by Mickey Taylor, which is currently on new, on bookshelves and ebooks everywhere, I want to ask a question going back to being under your years as beauty and cover director. You touched over 250 covers. Let me think about it. Like, you need probably more. Yeah. And at those cover shoots, you had to be a cheerleader for celebs. And a lot of these celebs are in your book. You right. Use with them. Right. Sometimes with celebs, and I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday, as much as we love them and look up to them, they can be very insecure on set. When you have that moment just before going out, what did you say? Like, hey, what's a big misconception about celebrities? I know in the book you talk about, you know, be careful of wanting like a, an Insta life. <laughs> but like, what was the biggest misconception? And what are some of the things that you said to them? to get them to bring their best to that Essence cover? I think, you know, one of the things for me, for any woman, let alone celebrities who are, you know, living in the spotlight, uh, who are um, oftentimes outside validation can become, you know, a prize to pursue, in fact, when it's not, uh, just reminding them of the truth of who they are, what they represent to the audience, and, um, to know their value, that uh, even that the essence covers certainly is a place of honor because for all of us that are in this work and in this time, on this time side of life, we are walking in the dreams of our ancestors. So to do an essence cover, it's more than a photograph. It is a historic moment in time. It's a moment that celebrates you, all that you've accomplished, but more importantly, the truth of who you are. It celebrates your unique beauty. Um, I'm always reminding each of us, and certainly on shoots, that you that each of us is unprecedented. So whether I'm standing in front of a Beyonce or Angela, you know, Bassett or an Angela Davis, if you will, I want 
their most authentic selves. And that's some, and I see that certainly as um, someone who's very visual, you know, certainly every time I went in search of, to shoot a cover, I went in search of a message, certainly something that summed up the tone of the issue, but captured, uh, I wanna say that golden nugget of the woman. So I remember shooting Oprah one time and I said, just sit on the floor, I need you to take your shoes off. And her team was like, what, what, how can she say that? And Oprah was like, no, stand back, she knows what she's doing. Or when uh, one of Angela Bassett's first covers, and I think she's had maybe six or seven, I painted her lips, I had the makeup artist create her lips in Indebelly. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I wanted to send a message. Because here is a woman that spoke volumes that she was an artist. In the motherland, when we painted uh, the houses, when we did Indebelly, that was a language. It was an art form. And so I, I, I just, I was so enchanted. I put, I was the first one to put her in braids. Everyone else had her in, you know, a bob or what have you, nothing wrong with that, but uh, it didn't cross a line. It didn't provoke anything. I think that's the other thing. I was always looking to provoke something in us. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are the people who colored our hair with the mud of red clay in Africa and, you know, uh, wore jewelry in our lips and our ears and what have you. And no matter how modern the times, that creativity, how do you move it forward? How do you still reach to the genesis of who you are? So I was always trying to capture something like that on a cover. Uh, Sinbad, I was the, you know, talked Sinbad into shaving off his goatee. Mm. No one, ever. It was like off limits. <laughs> like, no, that was his kryptonite, if you will, but he did. And I will never forget, you know, I said, I, you know, you're, for me today, you're James Bond. You're overcoming this and that, and we know humor has many sides. And in fact, for Sinbad, he had just been through a painful divorce. And I said, we need to lose the goatee. And I had him dressed in a tuxedo, and I had a brass bow tie, a bow tie made out of brass and kente cloth. Just our twist. And so that's why, you know, uh, I, I think that's why women save essence covers and men too. And I think because this is not, this is something for you to deal with. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, this is us. Mm -hmm. And that's how I approached every cover. The difficult ones, I've had the celebrities cry. I've had them walk out. I've, I've been through it all. Yeah, but it's about us yeah. and I think, you know, for me through it all, it's as both messenger, the subject being said messenger, and certainly me as servant leader, what are we gonna do here that's different? That's going to honor this audience that I cherish so much. So, yeah. So by the time I started at Essence, you had sort of, you editor at large, so you weren't here all the time, but, um, there is a running mythology around um, Mickey. And <laughs> one of the ones, even people that don't work here will say, Mickey teaches all of us to value the relationships. Because Mickey, if you're having trouble with the A-list um, celebrity, she knew who to call. Mm -hmm. 
she would pick up the phone. It was not email because she had developed relationships with people. And I think that blueprint is lost on so many of us as journalists in 2018 because we just let me just email them. But you took you cultivated these relationships over years and years. Can you tell me more about that? You know, relationships are your wealth. That is my deep-seated belief. Uh, it's what I came of age with. My mother's relationships, not only with Sarah, but Lena Horne or Ella Fitzgerald or Carmen McRae or Sammy Davis Jr. or, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. She had relationships. Mm-hmm. Musicians slept on the floor at our home. And, and uh, even, even years later, how I knew that the relationships were so solid, Years later, 30 years later maybe, when I was working with Quincy Jones, I said to Quincy, uh, you know, my mother said when she and Sarah got to Paris, you were already there. Now, Quincy was a big band leader back in the day. This is on an Essence Hollywood cover shoot. Quincy says to me, that's right, picked up the story where my mother had left off 30 (laughs) years ago. He said, yes, I went running down to the dock to meet them. Now, back in the day, they traveled by ocean liner. He said, and on, in my pocket, I had a little piece of paper crumpled up on which Earl Garner had written the song Misty, mm-hmm. and I gave it to Sass. Now, everybody knows Misty became Sarah's signature song, but relationships. He picked up that story 30 years later. So in my role at Essence, it wasn't about emailing someone I I want I touch people's lives Mm -hmm. and I've allowed myself to be touched and so I'm picking up the phone to you so uh, many of the women in the book they are sister they are sister friends Mm -hmm. I call celebrities on their cell phones I give the publicist the honor that they are due but when I'm getting the manual answer I go beyond that Mm -hmm. because Again, it's about what they mean to me, what I mean to them, and more importantly, what they mean to our people. And even in these times, what they mean to the universe. So, no, I, I, I do emails when I have to. But the phone is my most valuable tool, if you will. Well, thankfully, you've given us a tool book. <laughs> Mickey-isms. Better our life in this book. Editor in chic, how to style and be your most empowered self. One thing I loved about it is is practical, is biblical, is spiritual, and then it's sister girl. I don't know what yeah. the new word is. <laughs> it's very of the now. But this is your third book. What really prompted you to write this book? Like why now? Well, you know, I only write a book when I have something to say. And I was traveling the country speaking, and I was hearing far too much survival talk Mm -hmm. among us. And we weren't created to just survive. We were created to thrive. And I found also that too many of us were living life like it's a dress rehearsal. And I was like, oh, oh, no, we're not going to get to come back and try this again. The time is now. And so I took it upon myself to write this message and to say, wait a minute, this is your life and you have to own it. You have to celebrate the magnificent truth of who you are and your beauty. And you have to master your purpose with distinction now. 
that has to be a journey that you're on with a destination. It can't be put on hold. You can't allow opportunity to pass potential goodbye. You can't allow someone else to define what your life should be. No. And, and I also really do believe that wish lists are for children, not for <laughs> grown women. Grown women have checklists that they activate. And I was hearing too much, oh, well, one day I want to do so-and-so. Well, I wish I could do so-and-so. Oh, well, I wish I could be like you when I grow No, I don't want you to wish you could be like me when you grow up. You have a Genesis statement that's all your own. You need to identify that. Mm-hmm. There is nothing like it. So, yeah, I, I, wanted, I want us to lead fearless and inspired lives. So that's why I wrote Editor-in-Chief. Look, just because you are associated with beauty, period, this is not about beauty. This is not about face value, right? Not at all. I, if, 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 not if what, it, you know, for me, if the inner piece isn't working, the outer piece is robot. Say that again? If the inner piece isn't working, the outer piece is robot. And if you're not careful, everybody will have the remote control but you. Jesus. Drops mic. So. <laughs> I need a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the first chapter, you know, I, it's like a conversation. So, so that if we're not going to have the conversation, then nothing else I say really matters. So the first chapter, Eye on Beauty, really asks you to own the queen that lies in you. And it walks you through the steps to do that. From knowing your value, treasuring your vision space, creating that celebration circle because everybody shouldn't be in your life. Uh, dreaming live. I really don't, you know, dream big and all that is nice, but I believe you need to dream live. And then we get to the nuts and bolts. You know, what is your best skin? Your skin has a GPS. Do you understand how to use it? Mm -hmm. You know, makeup without limits. How are you going to express yourself, your face, not what's trending? I think that, you know, each of us is more than a season of somebody else's style whims. Trends come and go. Like, that. that's it's a little bit of confusion, if you ask me. I talk about defining a bankable wardrobe. What does that mean for your life? It's not about a closet full of clothes. I think a woman with a closet full of clothes really doesn't know how to dress, mm. you know? Mm. And then, you know, certainly the hair, and we have our struggles. You know, only over 21 million African-American women have some form of alopecia. We're processing stress the wrong way. Mm. We're, diet is playing a role. People are playing a role. How many prescriptions do we have that really has someone else's name on it besides the doctor? And then the last chapter, Mastering You, Inc., because you must realize that you are a brand, and how are you defining it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the beauty stuff, you know, you can't really, again, your life has to demonstrate that you know who you are. So you can't really enjoy the process if you don't have the information. And where do you think we, as, I'll speak particularly as black women, where are we learning that we should not show up as ourselves until I always hear, you know, when you're older, it, it gets, you know, that's when it gets really, really, that's when you really show up. But sometimes you, you don't show up till you're 50. And girl, I mean, the windows, like you had all those years to show up, but you didn't show up. But so where are we learning that? I mean, just in your sort of bird's eye view. I think far too much of the way we live is programmed and in sync with the ways of others. And, and the danger in that is that you lose your authentic self. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, for example, ships look great in the harbor, 
but they weren't designed to be in the harbor. They were designed to sail. So how long do you allow the ship that is you to sit in the harbor before you sail? Mm -hmm. You're going to sit in the harbor because you see other ships sitting there or everybody else is doing it? When will you take the big seas in your life? Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to unlearn uh, that what I call malig almost malignant behavior that keeps us from being who we are. You know, I'm doing a lot of executive coaching these days to diversity and inclusion manners, managers, and I'm saying, wait a minute, is this really taking place or is this a theory? Because if you're not able to bring your authentic self to the table and help said company grow, mm -hmm. then this is just a theory. It's not really happening. So the same thing, you have to ask yourself in your life, who am I and what did I come to contribute? And how am I enjoying my life? You know, at the close of my book, I say, may you wake up every day excited to be you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing that, then you need to take pause and understand what's blocking the path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. it's not about others. Outside validation is so overrated. You should, if you live from the inside out, you're gonna thrive. If you live from the outside in, you're gonna be in chaos, doubt, and confusion. Mm -hmm. And you'll keep taking the road well-traveled instead of blazing a trail. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. I wanna read something you wrote. You said, no matter where you are on your dreamscape, you must recognize that you're the entrepreneur of your destiny. And you must be transformational in your thinking, fearless in your ambitions, and determined to succeed in your purpose. You are, well, you said, I, Mickey. I'm a big believer that opportunity favors a prepared mind. And one thing I saw that you write later on is that you advise women to do one workout a week just for your mind. Just for your mind. You I've never heard that. Oh my gosh. I, first of all, getting still and and even challenging your mental capacity so many i meet so many women who can't even meditate they don't even know how to do that they can't sit still so their mind is constantly working their knees are shaking or the hand is moving get still uh yoga chai uh, tai chi there are so many forms of mind work breathing exercises that will help you get in tune with you. It is so important because all day long you are listening to programs. Whether you're talking to your colleagues, whether you're on Instagram, whether you're listening to a TED Talk, whether you're doing Facebook Live or whatever, but when do you get to hear what's on your heart? When do you get to mind cleanse? Because see, the other thing is we have a lot of weeds we have a lot of our own territoristic thoughts, as Ayanna Van Zandt says in the book. And you have to make it a point to clean out the stuff that you can't use so you can keep thriving. You know, I put it this way. I said you have to nurture what you want to grow and starve what you want to check. And the only way you can do that is to get still at least on a weekly basis and do the mind work. Mm. Sidebar. Um I heard, you know, our brother Kanye is going through some things right now. Um, but he sent out a tweet about a month and a half ago where he said, when you wake up, don't go to Instagram, don't go to Twitter, don't watch TV, don't do all the things that clutter your mind. Just listen to yourself. And I was like, see, there's moments of clarity that come from him. But I, it really reminds me of what you're saying. You know, th there are so rarely do we give ourselves that time to just hear what am I going through you know I think 
that sometimes we're fearful of the internal conversation because the internal conversation it, it will show you things. It's like a, a, a 50X mirror. It might show you things that you don't want to see. You know, a lot of times we go through life hallucinating. We hallucinate about the people in our lives. You know that sister girl is not really a friend. Uh, you know that boss is uncomfortable with the fact that you're so comfortable in your skin and you keep trying to audition for him so he will like you. Uh, I can go down the list. But that's what happens when you get still. And some of us are fearful of that internal conversation because we're more comfortable hallucinating. We're more comfortable with the routine. You get up, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you start liking folks. Instead of liking yourself first, uh, you start going seeing what's going on in the world outside around you so you could show up and fit in when you really weren't designed to fit in. And you keep wondering why you're so uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Because you haven't acknowledged a woman who looks back at you in the mirror every day, who's been trying to get your attention 10, 20, 50, 30 years. Hello? Hello? You see me? Hello? I don't like that. You're not, you're not listening to me. I don't like that. Uh, she doesn't like you. Uh, stop trying to... Could you just go where we're celebrated, not where we're tolerated? Uh, could you uh, put some other value on me besides a paycheck? Uh, uh, could you know that he's not the one... He doesn't make you feel good. That's not what cherished means. Uh, you, um, mm -mm. stop being in denial. Girl. <laughs> oh my goodness. One Mickeyism that stands out to me, and I think we all struggle with this, is when, I'm gonna read it out, she says, you need to learn how to lovingly accept compliments because folks are really bragging on God, your architect, when they compliment you. And so many of us, when someone compliments me, it's like, no, 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 you look good. We're not comfortable with our greatness. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is you can compliment a woman on a pair of shoes. She'll say, girl, those are some bad shoes. And she'll say, oh, thank you. And her shoulders pop back and her chest pops up. And then you'll say, girl, you so-and-so. And she'll say, well, not really. You are, not me. <laughs> we start making excuses. Now, uh, God says that you are unique one of a kind he thought so much of you he only made one and you can't say thank you you can't own that you can't walk in that without apologizing i don't think he needs an apology for what he's done when he signed off on you he was satisfied how come you can't take the story and run with it i don't understand that thank you Two simple words. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to teach us how to accept the compliment on his behalf. If we can't accept it and own what is true about us, then let's accept it on his behalf. You know, like you go up and you're accepting an award for somebody because they couldn't be there. Just accept his award because you couldn't be there. How about that? Thank you. I couldn't show up, but I'm going to accept it on his behalf. There you go. That'll help. Thank you. Wow. Mickey. Thank you. I, no, thank you. <laughs> I do want to know what what um, on a weekly, daily basis. What what spiritual what spiritually fulfills you? Like, are you? I know you 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 go to church. Um, uh, what are the pla Where are the places that you get your um, fulfillment? Well, I would tell you this. Um, I've had a relationship with God all my life. Mm. 
I love how Marjorie Harvey says, even in crisis, she said it's best to, to already be acquainted because in crisis is not time to make introductions. I really do believe, as I say, that faith is nothing if it's not defining your life. And I wouldn't go to church on Sunday and sing hallelujah and holla amen if I was going to fall apart on Monday. Mm. So faith is something that is renewed in my life every day. I spend my mornings, I wake up talking to my chief creative officer, my chief operating officer. What am I going to do today? What is it? Thank you for issuing me, sending me out today. Thank you for things, blessings on the way. Who can I help today? And so um, that is the thread that sustains me. I do believe that we are body, mind, and spirit, and I don't think that God wants his queens on uh, well-being, welfare or in spiritual poverty. So you have to tend that just like you tend everything else. You wouldn't forget to eat. You wouldn't forget to breathe. You wouldn't forget to put clothing on or, you know, to style or any of the other things that you do on purpose. I think you have to tend your spiritual nature on purpose because it is a part of your being mm -hmm. and it shows up in, uh, in everything you say or do, you know, it's part of your command central. So if you don't tend it, what does that say? You know, look at it this way. If the control system, an air traffic control, if, and this is what this is, if it wasn't tended, if, if the men working there and the women working there weren't on top of every plane and where it's destination and when it's landing and where it's going, if they weren't on top of that, what would happen? It'd be a crash. Mm -hmm. If you don't tend your spiritual nature, a crash is sure to happen. I, I really believe that. And I've seen it. I've seen it. So, you know, one of the things I say is I wouldn't give us any untested advice. I don't believe in untested advice. A lot of folks will tell you, try this, and they haven't tried it themselves. I wouldn't give you any untested advice. Mm -hmm. And so I know you must tend every aspect of your being because that all, it has everything to do with the truth of who you are and how you show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your, your greatness was not designed to be in... Uh, spiritual poverty not okay i do want to get a, a tour of your closet ah <laughs> i can't imagine how many pairs of shoes you oh, have oh my gosh <laughs> okay oh my gosh no with the pump with the pump <laughs> skirt okay this is uh, my tool my my girly piece you know, I embrace I all the women that lie inside of me. And there's one who is such a girl. I love she it. She just loves it. <laughs> yeah, she's such a girl. And we're going to see you at festival. Yes, you're going to yes. see me at festival. And I'll be coming out of my little classic with a twist closet. That's nice. my style sensibility. I think that's, you know, one of the things that helps you dress well for what it's worth because I really believe a best dressed woman is simply one who dresses to entertain herself but uh I have a bankable wardrobe that works for the way I live I love it. yeah 
Yeah, and it, it just, it, it, everything in there feels good, and what doesn't feel good has to go. I, I talk about that in the book. I say, you know, we all need to have that closet confidential conversation. Say, some of you will not be moving forward with me. You put the squeeze on me. You don't make me feel good. You got me fits in. The, the shoes that only have room for four toes instead of five, don't try it. Give them to your friend who's got four toes, whatever. <laughs> Whatever, but you should Let have the go. kind of closet that begs you to get dressed. Right. Right. Oh my nice. gosh. Thank, Thank you. you. Where can we get more Mickeyisms right now? You can get more Mickeyisms on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, I am Mickey Taylor, uh, certainly on Instagram and Twitter uh, and LinkedIn and, and Mickey Taylor on Facebook. And yeah, and I'll be coming to a city near you and. You know, just keep hashtagging, guys. Editor and Chic, the book. I love it. And available uh, through Atria Books. Oh, available through Atria. Available at Barnes and Noble stores and independent booksellers nationwide. Available on Mm Amazon.com. Available as ebook and you name it. When's the audiobook coming? Uh, You know, that is the conversation now. So when I. My last uh, book signing is December 6th and 7th in San Diego. And. We'll see. Yeah, but, but hopefully soon, because I really, I really enjoy that part. And I used to go in the studio a lot and, you know, do certainly my CDs and so forth. And because I love having the conversation. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed about Editor-in-Cheek is that I didn't pin a book. I had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. It was my joy. <laughs> Mickey always gives a word. She gives a word. You weren't here. I wish I'd been there. But even after the interview, you know, we went over and, you know, we had a little kumbaya with her and the edit staff. You know what Mickey Taylor did? She led us in prayer. Mickey's prayers? If you've ever been in the room? Oh, my gosh. Her on-the-fly prayers. Imagine having your main line to God so crisp and so clear that you could give a five-minute prayer on the fly that will give everyone chills. That is Mickey Taylor. Mickey Taylor. And you know what I loved about it? Because she came here maybe a month after we had moved here. And you know what's new changes for us? Yeah. She reaffirmed what we are called here to do, why we're still here, why essence still matters. Thank you, Mickey. In a word. Mm. With the blood of Jesus. Mickey Taylor, y'all. Anyway. Who's Whew. up next, Corey? I know. Ryan how do Destiny. we even? I know. I don't even know how you go into that. But it makes <sighs> sense because Ryan Destiny really is the future. She is. She's, she's on so a great show. People really love Star. Lee Daniels has picked her out. I mean, come on, y'all. Let's give it up for her. And I love how she's very mature. She's got an old soul. I was she very does. impressed by her. She does. And I loved her mama. Yes. Who was just in the back chilling. And I love how she's, you know, she's playing the role on Instagram. She's giving you like all the glamour girl and I'm a star. But she was just this wonderfully smart, beautiful, relatable, talented girl sitting across the room from us with her coffee, you know, talking about having a plan for her life. As she looked out into the ocean. Get into it, y'all. Good morning. Morning. Corey, I'm excited because it's a beautiful Miami morning. It's a beautiful Miami morning. We're in a room with a view. Yes. A view. A view. (laughs) And with a star. A star. I like what you did there. You guys see me winking? (laughs) Corey is the queen of segues, okay? Which star... Do we have with us today, Corey? Ryan Destiny. Hi, Hi Ryan. Hello. 
one What's of the beautiful up? stars of star <laughs> yes you know her well we know y'all tune in <laughs> thanks for yes. having me thanks for thanks for just inviting us and no being down problem. and get up early with us no problem so we're at the american black film festival mm-hmm. tell us why are you here we're glad we bumped into you yes. oh i'm here for multiple things i had a mixer the 29 below mixer that i went to oh, yeah. thursday um and I had interviews there. I did a meet and greet with Xfinity yesterday. Um, and yeah, and also just to enjoy everyone else and what they're doing. And I've just had fun so far. You're busy and people. blessed. Yeah. Busy and blessed. Yeah, for sure. Now, is it true, um, Ryan Destiny, that's your, that's your name, right? That is my name. Ryan, well, Destiny is my middle name. But, um, yeah, nobody really knows my last name. It's a mystery unless you, you know, look on Google. Well, I did, I, I did Google. But I wanted you to explain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, when people feel like their last name isn't, like, enough, they just go with their middle name. That's literally what I did. And I've, like, gone by that since before middle school, like when MySpace was out, like my MySpace days, I was Ryan Destiny. <laughs> it was funny because for a minute, like even the people that I was like close to and like I went to school with, there was like, Irons is your real last name? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's been this. It's been there. I was born. <laughs> but, well, you were talking about, you know, your high school friends and everyone knowing and things like that. You're only 23, right? So you're not too far removed from that, but you've had this huge success with the show. Yeah. Do you still keep in touch with like your high school girls, your crew? How have they been supporting you? What's that like for them, for yeah. you? I actually just went home uh, like two weeks ago and mm-hmm. I caught up with two of my high school friends who've graduated from college now. Um, one has a baby. It's just so weird. <laughs> like just how we've grown so much, all of us. So fast. My friends are yeah. very, very supportive. Um, but, you know, it's still a very normal thing with us, you know, like it's even weird for them. We like went out and it was just weird for them to see how other people reacted to me. And, you know, it's just, it's a little weird sometimes, but it's still like the sense of just being normal still. And, um, it's kind of grounding too when you do that just go back home and visit friends old friends and you guys just reminisce and just talk about life um, so they're still your circle like yeah yeah that's your girl group. i mean i have a best friend that we've only been best friends for like four almost five years but it feels like a lifetime with her we didn't go to high school together but we met back in our hometown michigan detroit michigan so um yeah it's it's a really cool thing to have friends still from before it started. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Speaking of but before it started, you were on track to be a music. You were an artist. You were a singer mm-hmm. in a group. But then I read that you and your mom decided to just come to L.A. to like jumpstart your acting career. But what was that thing that said, this is what I want to do? Um, It was I don't think it was like any type of like set plan with this I feel like things just flowed kind of how it flowed in high school I got signed to a label and you know when that happens it it was just kind of like you know my singing's going well you know like I was just more focused about that uh at the time but I just started jumping back into auditions and when things slow down you just start to think about you know just like other things that you can do and what you're capable of so and I love 
I love it. It's my passion, both of those things, acting and music. So, yeah, when I jumped back in it, of course, it was just a lot of back-to-back-to-back auditions. Close, but not close enough. (laughs) Just a whole bunch of different experiences and things. And and then I got my first movie, which was A Girl Like Grace, that I was the lead in, which was uh, weird for me uh, to kind of jump in that. Just because I was like leading it with Mm -hmm. people that I grew up watching. So it was just a lot of pressure and I was young and it was like a heavy topic, you know, that a girl like Grace just was covering in so many different ways. Uh, So I just felt a lot of pressure to like do it justice, even though it was an indie film. I just wanted to kind of, you know, do my best and um, still, you know, come in knowing that, this is kind of an introduction to a lot of people for me. Um, but yeah, and then things happen one after another. Who casted me in A Girl Like Grace is who casted me in Star. It's just funny how things work and like trickle down and you never even realize what's happening like in the midst of all that. So what's that moment like when you know you've got your big break? Like Star, they called you, you've been cast. You knew the show was going to be big. I know you felt it. Daniel. Yeah, I, <laughs> this I is felt, a moment. I felt that it would. I hoped that it would, but you never know, you know. So right. I tried to come in with like this realistic type of mindset, um, but still hopeful. Uh, but I was very excited, and that too was a lot of pressure, you know, because mm-hmm. this was like the real deal, and it was primetime television, and just a real introduction to who I am the biggest one yet. So, um, again, it was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure trying to, um, work with these heavy, you know, pioneers and Queen Latifah, Benjamin Bratt, uh, I mean, Naomi, yeah. Naomi Cammy, all your parents. On yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> hello. <laughs> it icon was a and lot. Icon. Yeah, it was a lot, but I learned a lot. And that was the main thing that I tried to take from it, especially in the beginning. I, every time I stepped on that set, I learned new things about myself, about how I work, how I should work, what things I can change, what things can I do better. Um, so it was, it was a huge learning experience. And Lee Daniels is a very intense director. The original uh, Big Daddy. Yeah, the original <laughs> Big Daddy. Uh, he really, really <laughs> pushes you whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's. I think it's stuff like that that just pushes you. I like challenging myself, and that was definitely something that challenged me. And who I am today is different from who I was the first day, you know, of getting star. So going back to Lee Daniels, is it true that you had tried out for Empire? Yes. And you couldn't get <laughs> you it. Got you got the role. She Did you originally get the role of um, Tiana? Tiana. Yes. But mm-hmm. you couldn't. Well, you tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What uh, happened? There? I got the part of it. And it's funny because originally it was like more of a singer and rapper type of role. Uh, so I auditioned with the Lauren Hill song. And yeah, I got it. And uh, unfortunately, it was because of the contract that I was in um, with my label. At the time, it was Capitol Records. And, um, yeah, they tried. They tried. <laughs> they tried for a minute, like, all the way almost to, like, the last bit. Like, I was supposed to, like, go into filming, like, a week. Oh, wow. Like, you know, so. Um, but they just couldn't couldn't budget. Um, but. Were you, like, was that a huge letdown? It, like, dev- like what was, was that like for you? That doesn't sound. devastating. Fun at all. And it was devastating 
like of course initially just because it's like oh like I didn't even know what the show would be then, you know, but I was just like, it's a Fox show and I'm working with Lee Daniels and, you know, all these other people. Um, so I just knew it like would be a start. And then when the show blew up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. You, were, you can go anywhere Talk without hearing about Empire. Anywhere. You can turn on the TV without seeing it. Like an award show, it was just like, just the biggest thing in pop culture at that time. Like it was so so huge how um, did you work through that because obviously you stayed positive yeah you kept pushing you kept in touch with lee yeah. and his team so i mean obviously it was like not easy it was easier said than done to stay positive it was a lot of tears in that <laughs> we get <laughs> it lot. we get it <laughs> and it was like for a whole year um just like kind of feeling like oh why didn't this happen and why 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 like i was just like upset but then i you know, had to just come to terms with like just trusting God and having faith that it was just not my time, you know? Um, so when star came back around, I still wasn't even like for that. Like when I first heard about the whole idea of it, the casting director, Leah Daniels is the one that, uh, told us we were just having lunch, like casually, uh, her and my mom. And she's like, my brother has this new show that's coming out. Uh, it's, you know, but she told us like the whole pilot, and we're like, that sounds like a movie. That sounds like the whole season you just told us. It was literally just the pilot. <laughs> and even still, I was like, uh, you know, I'm okay on it. But if there's another part for Empire, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, T I'm telling you, man, like, just just do it. Just do it. There's this part, Alexandra, she's the black girl and blah, 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 all this stuff. I think you'd be perfect for it. And I went in just, you know, for her, really, like, I didn't, I still didn't have any type of like oomph to just actually audition for it. But I'm like, I'm going to do it for Leah because she has always been there believing in me, pushing me, tr just trying to get something, trying to have something catch on after Empire happened. It was just, she knew how like much that hurt me. So, um, yeah, I did it and I went in and even after the first audition, I was like, I don't really know if. I got it but we'll see and then stuff just kept happening they flew me back out to LA for a callback um then for testing and um yeah I got it and when I knew I had it it was still a moment of like I don't know about this and it was simply just because it was about a girl group I just left a girl group I felt like I didn't want to be in that space at all anymore mm -hmm. um so it was just just a head trip for me and I was scared literally was just scared um and yeah I was not sure how it would be perceived and I didn't want to stay in this like dark mindset where I was with the girl group even though this was a fake one and just for television yeah, okay. now you're making me realize it, how yeah. true, how yeah. true yeah. to life is star right yeah. the even, dynamics yeah even though it was not real I just knew that it would be just another <laughs> kind of world that I'm used to and um, that I didn't want to be a part of anymore, but I am. And I felt like in a weird way, I was like, God, like, was this just all like a setup to prepare me for mm -hmm. this role? And it was interesting just 
how it all fell into place. Look so. at God, right? Yeah. He's he's something. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing going back to Star 2, I love that, like you said before you touch on a little bit, you're working with some greats. I mean, Queen Latifah, Benjamin Bratt, Naomi Campbell, you know, Paola Bell had a cameo, Lenny Kravitz. But then you're also working with people who are your peers, mm-hmm. like Evan Ross, um, Kiki Palmer, Jacob Latham, or Luke James. Yeah. What it, so explain that dynamic because you 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 you're really in the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. no, it really is, and it's funny too, just because like even though they're my peers, like Evan Ross and Luke, like I still have been watching them, you know, and listening to Luke's music. So it was interesting too, just how stuff like that can come full circle. Like these people now are really my friends, like they're really my brothers and really my sisters. Like it's. It's really a family now um, and a genuine one, too. Um, So I'm just really happy and just thankful for that and thankful that they're even though that they, you know, have done more than me, they still have like this humbleness about them and just being genuine all the time and feeling like, you know, we're here, you know, we're at we're at the same level when we're working and we're doing a scene together. Like we're at the same level right now. We're just trying to get the best product. you know, so it's a it's a really cool process just to work with them. And they're hilarious, just goofy. It's it's as you can imagine, it's a lot of singing on set. Like <laughs> I can only imagine a lot. I we have Elijah it. Kelly too, so him and Luke are just always going back and forth. That <laughs> and then it. you were working with Brandy and Brandy. You have it's just been so, living. It's so much, man. Just stuff I did not imagine. It just keeps on coming, <laughs> but it's really, really cool. Now, what has fame been like for you? Because it's, you know, you we know that it's hard to put your your life on the public stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you went from, you know, you're, you were in a girl group, you started acting, and then overnight, everyone knew your name. You're on this primetime show. What's that been like? Um, I don't know. I feel like I try to block it out sometimes it's a very it's a weird concept that I still have to get used to because I still have to even know like still not everyone knows my name you know like I still have so far to go so but there's always these people that are in your face like telling you how amazing you are how great you are and you just have to keep you know in mind that you still have so far to go so I just try to keep a balance I think that's what life was all about really a balance so I've taken the love I accept it you know but I still just have to remember who I am and why I even started because I think you can get lost in that and lost in fame and lost in all the love and everything else people praising you all this stuff like it, you sound oh, really grounded yeah, <laughs> I try I really try to be um and just remember is it's really not real like it's 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 a lot that you know isn't real about it so you just gotta remember that but still like I said accept it and um, appreciate all the love that is coming um, because it's like genuine fans out there Mm -hmm. you know I appreciate you saying it it's not real a lot of it's not real because so many people get caught up they're like oh this and you're like but that's really beautiful that you're you have that that view site because it's like you yeah, it's it, people can really <laughs> lose themselves, lose themselves in it, and it's it's sad to see, especially when it's someone that you feel like could have like done so much more if they had just like stayed grounded versus just letting it kind of take them away and get lost in it. But yeah, I I plan not to. 
What are you going to do? I know the show's on hiatus now until season three. So what do you what do you plan to do? Well, <laughs> I hear you might be a little busy. Well, I go right back <laughs> in like a few weeks. We've been on hiatus though since March okay. is when I um, stopped filming. But yeah, I go back in July um, and I've just been recording my own music, um, which has been very fun for me. Uh, just finding my sound and you know, just myself outside of the show, music that I do personally is different from what I do on the show. Um, so I don't have to tell us a little bit more about how it's different. Um, I think it's just, it's it's more personal, obviously. And mm-hmm. then it it has more of an edge to it. Um, and I feel like the, the songs on Star, we kind of go a lot of different places. Like sometimes it's like a really R&B song. Other times it's like, this like almost country song and then other times it's like this really pop song um versus me i'm just trying to stay in this lane where it is like an r&b bass but i like to bring other elements into it that you know just kind of uh i don't know just kind of bring the elements in that i like about other genres but like i said it's still like this r&b bass to it and it's like a chill vibe it's who I am. I'm a very laid back person. And I think in my music, you'll be able to feel that, but also dance to it and, you know, have fun to it at the same time. It's kind of, it is kind of Aaliyah-esque in a way. Um, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> I'm very fine. excited about it just because it's been so long since the girl group that I've actually put out music and it is a lot of pressure because I feel like a lot of people you know have these expectations of what my music will sound like and what it'll be and there's just a lot of like just put it out right just put out whatever on one's own like let's hear it let's hear it let's hear it and I'm just like just wait just a little <laughs> <Hold bit. on. laughs> I'm trying to get it right I'm trying to get it right but there's there's a lot of pressure in that too just not even from like fans even just like from like the background people that are like on my team and like you know, and in the industry, like, I just feel like people really expect a lot from me. So I'm just trying to keep it calm and keep it cool with that. Well, speaking of pressure, I know we read a lot about, you know, when people were calling you, they were saying you were like next guy rail union and that whole yeah. thing. And that that's a lot of pressure. But then I know you two met and you talked about it and, mm-hmm. you know, and she wrote about that a little bit in her book and you handled all of that beautifully I want to say because it's got to be a lot like a lot of pressure to be like you're the next Gabrielle or how whatever but you I mean you handle it with grace that's such a compliment yeah but I it sounds like you know you and pressure are doing all right because that was that was huge yeah um it was definitely weird (laughs) for me when it came out (laughs) just because I really she didn't say anything that she said in her book to me actually you know um, so it was all like love. It was all just conversation. We were literally just having a conversation and she was giving me advice and stuff just about me filming and all this stuff and working with Lee. Um, so it was, it was, it was all cool. So what everyone else saw from it and the different headlines they saw, it was, it was very, a lot of drama. Yeah. Unnecessary, <laughs> drama. Drama. Unnecessary drama. Yeah. yeah. So I, Every time someone asks me about it, I just try to clear that up. I'm like, there's no drama here. I, Absolutely. There's none. I think um, you made that clear. Yeah, you know? I tried to. I'm like, 
I don't want Gabriella to actually get mad at me. See, no. I got to chill a little bit. <laughs> I think in her book, you know, we read it, we talked to her. She was making a personal confession exactly. that had nothing to do with you. Exactly. You know, if you read the quote, you yeah. know, but even just the way you handle the press and the headlines, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, okay, Ryan, <laughs> like, you know, handle it well and beautifully. You. And, you know, we, black girl magic in the industry, we have to, everybody has to play. Yeah. To play nice and to support their sister. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It was very, was it was a very vulnerable moment for her, which is something I respect. And it's hard for people to accept that but I think it's beautiful so well before we leave I liked what you said like you want to handle people's expectations so I'm curious what are Ryan's expectations (laughs) I love that um my expectations of just your life your career right now Mm -hmm. um I'm honestly right now I'm trying to find like a sense of peace and a lot of things with myself um and not to put too much pressure on myself so I feel like expectations can do that so I try to just tread lightly with them and kind of go kind of day by day and plan things out not like in a thing where it's so long term but more like short term goals that kind of help me feel like I'm getting closer but not like if I don't successfully achieve like some like long-term goal than I have failed because I've done that so many times and things don't always go my way you know so I can't continuously keep putting these just expectations on myself all the time um that are so big and like these timelines of things and it's so easy to do because when you compare yourself to these other women or other younger girls (laughs) younger girls than me even in the industry, I have to just remember that it's really my own journey personally um, and not get caught up in that and not compare myself because it's so easy to do. But yeah, like I said, I just really try to achieve one thing at a time, you know, and just try to kind of go in like the pace that I need to go personally for myself because I find that better and mentally healthier um because I'm a super career driven person too so I can get really like frustrated and caught up in like if I don't you know do something right away or if I don't do something this year then I'm just like oh like why 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 and just like go on a whole head trip so I'm just trying to be a lot more sane about it and keep the peace within myself um but my main goal right now is to put out my EP this year um, and to put out just music, even if it's not even my entire EP, just put some music out, some introduction to who I am, myself, um, and my art in, in different ways, whether it be the songs and the visuals or just the you know photos of it. Um, that's definitely my main goal and expectation for myself and just have people know who I am in a different way from the show so yeah (laughs) that's wonderful we wish you continued success thank you so much absolutely so beautiful i know i adore you she you guys she doesn't have a a drop of makeup (laughs) and her skin is glowing glowing she's so sweet and wonderful and play well thank you so much thank Thank you you, ladies so much thank you 
Thanks to our guests, Mickey Taylor and Ryan Destiny. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with Mara Rocka-Keel, Tessa Thompson, and Gabrielle Union. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us because that's where it counts. Don't know why, but it does. So please leave us a review. Thanks to our producer, Steven Silos, audio engineers, Chiquita Pascal and Tiffany Ashate, and Gold Standard Creative for our music. Can we get a special shout out to Chiquita, who's leaving us? Chiquita, we were going to miss you, girl, with that black girl magic on audio. But Best you wishes. go fly, you Peabody award-winning producer. Ow. Go over there and make Malcolm Gladwell great. This is your last episode, and you will be missed. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>